Yeah. Three C's, my fiance. Yeah. Whoa, hey, whoa, hey. Say what? Hey, whoa. Three C's, my fiance. Yeah. Whoa, it's going down. Whoa, hey, know what time it is. Whoa, hey, we ain't playing with you. In the club, in the street. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to No BS Season 3, Episode 5. Isaiah, we are you know, doing this program a little bit early tonight because I know you have some obligations. But how are you doing tonight, my good sir? First of all, Trevor, I want to wish you and everybody out there a happy Chinese New Year. You know, that's the reason why we pushed the program up tonight. It's because after this program... I got to go and have Chinese New Year dinner with uh, my family. So, um, you know, I couldn't miss that. So that's why we decided to bump this program up. But, hey, you know, it's going to be a great show tonight. We got a lot of stuff to talk about, uh, a lot of stuff that I'm actually really, really, really interested to talk about. I got some huge rants prepared. You already know that Matt Chapman topic that we have uh, later on in the show. That's a huge topic that I really, really want to get into. Uh, I was really furious with the Oakland A's last night. You know, you guys just, just go check my Facebook. That's how furious I was. I was ranting on Facebook saying, hey, if you do this, I will renounce my fandom or fanship with the Oakland A's. That's how furious I was uh, with that news. But I can't wait to get into all the stuff that we have to talk about today. And also, I got some treats for Valentine's Day. I know Valentine's Day is coming up. So today I went before the show, did some shopping, bought a whole bag of assorted chocolates like Reese's, Hershey's, M&M's, all that good stuff. Can't wait for Valentine's Day uh, in a couple of days. You know, Isaiah, if you decide to send me anything, any of those chocolates, I probably wouldn't get them on Valentine's Day. I'd probably get them somewhere around maybe Easter instead. So, you know, we all know how the postal service is and You'll get getting, food. You're getting, <laughs> and getting food. So there's always that. But we always have to remind our viewers that it's been, you know, 29 days without Callan, so almost an entire month. And we're still hoarding down the fort here on No BS. So, you know. Can't wait for Calnick return and all that excitement. And I think we have our first, you know, food um, comment for tonight. But Kirsty Wilson comes in a food reference, so you can't go wrong with any of that. Because here on No BS, we have always food takes that magically sprinkle up in the show. At this point, we should just be called the, you know, Isaiah and Trevor cooking show at this point because we always reference food at this point. But let's dive into tonight's topics. Back to the NFL. I know we had the Super Bowl taken care of, but there is still more drama in the NFL. And just starting off with tonight's topic, we have the Houston Texans are planning to release J.J. Watt. And the big question is, where does J.J. Watt end up? Isaiah, I know you have this prepared rant. I know we talked about this post-show, but where do you think J.J. Watt should go to? And I'll put the camera on you. So the viewers can have a good, you know, surrounding and feeling about your take. Yes, Trevor, you can just sit back, you know, grab those shades uh, and, you know, grab that captain hat as well and just uh, go read a book or something. And I ran for the next 10 to 15 minutes. But Trevor, my 
My reaction to J.J. Watt getting released this morning by the Houston Texans was I'm, I'm not surprised that J.J. Watt departed Houston because I thought that it was inevitable that he was going to leave Houston because the Texans are tearing everything down and wanting to start fresh this offseason. And J.J. Watt, you know, he's, a, he's an aging veteran and he deserves to go somewhere to try to win a championship as opposed to be a part of another rebuild once again. But I am shocked however, that J.J. Watt was straight up released by the Houston Texans because I really thought that JJ, that the Texans were going to try to seek a trade for J.J. Watt and try to get back some compensation for J.J. Watt. You know, I know J.J. Watt, you know, he isn't the same player that he once was, but still, J.J. Watt is still one of the premier pass rushers in the NFL, and also he's a terrific run stopper in the NFL as well. So I think a team would have been willing to give up maybe like a third or a fourth round pick to land J.J. Watt, but I don't believe that a team would have been willing to eat J.J. Watt's remainder of his contract, which is like $17.5 million. Uh, I don't think a team would have been willing to eat that um, that amount of money that was left on his contract because he's aging. You know, he's been kind of injury prone the last couple of years. So $17.5 million for, a, for J.J. Watt is kind of a bit much, but I still expected the Texans to try to trade him instead of release him. But that's why I was really shocked when I got the news from Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter that the Texans released J.J. Watt this morning. Um, as far as, you know, which teams I believe that J.J. Watt could land, you know, since becoming a free agent, I got three teams for you, Trevor. Number one, I'm pretty sure you guys already know that team. It is the San Francisco 49ers. John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan, if you guys are watching this show right now, I want y'all to stop watching this show and get on the phone with J.J. Watt's agent right now and try to iron out a deal and get him to the bay. I've been wanting J.J. Watt in a red and gold jersey for the last two years. You know, it makes a lot of sense because D. Ford, the 49ers' other pass rush, uh, pass rusher out opposite of Nick Bosa, he's been consistently injured, and he's been really injury-prone ever since the 49ers got him on a massive five-year deal to pry him out of Kansas City. And now D. Ford has a chronic back injury, which I really don't even know if he's going to be able to play football once again. So the 49ers are going to need a new edge rusher opposite of Nick Bosa to make the gold rush work. And I think that J.J. Watt... Um, I think that he would be able to fit in that role very nicely opposite of Nick Bosa and man that defensive line. I mean, imagine you have Nick Bosa on one end with J.J. Watt on the other end and with Eric Armstead and Javon Kinlaw in the middle. I mean, my gosh, that defensive line would wreak havoc each and every Sunday on opposing quarterbacks. And I believe that this defensive line with Bosa on one end, Watt on the other with Armstead and Kinlaw in the middle. I think that that defensive line would be better 
than the one that took San Francisco to the Super Bowl back in 2019. I think that J.J. Watt in San Francisco equals a sixth Lombardi trophy in that case. The second destination that I think that uh, would be perfect for J.J. Watt is the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the reason why is because, um, you know, Pittsburgh, J.J. Watt's brothers are playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You got T.J. Watt, dynamic pass rusher for the Steelers, and then you have his other brother, Derek Watt, who is a fullback right now for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And J.J. Watt, you know, I he said in the past that he wants to play with his brothers later on in his career. And I think that this is a perfect opportunity because the Steelers, they have a great defense. You show, They showed you last year how great of a defense they were last season. And, you know, they are a team that – um, can compete for a championship right now. Big Ben is coming yeah. back. They got that great defense. We don't know what's going to happen with Juju Smith-Schuster, but they also got Mike Tomlin. They've got a lot of stability uh, in that Steelers organization. So I think Pittsburgh would be a great fit for J.J. Watt. Um, however, Pittsburgh right now is $10 million uh, you know, over the salary caps. So they're going to have to try to make something work. They're going to have to do some maneuvering in – the salary cap, but I trust that front office. I trust Mike Tomlin. I trust Pittsburgh to try to somehow make it work if J.J. Watt ultimately opts to go to Pittsburgh to try to play with his brothers. And the last destination that I have for you, Trevor, it's it might seem like a big surprise uh, if this don't, happens. Don't you dare say it. The Denver Broncos. No, it is actually not the Denver Broncos. This, is my, this might be the first time when we're talking about free agents and their potential destinations that I'm not going to mention the Denver Broncos. Yes, Trevor, I see that. Look, I am not mentioning the Denver Broncos. And that team is the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And hear me out, Trevor. The reason why I say J.J. Watt could be a good fit is because J.J. Watt wants less money. He's willing to take less to go to a team that is contending for a championship right now. And the Buccaneers, they have JPP on one side. They have Shaq Barrett on the other. But Shaq Barrett is a free agent, and he wants to break the bank with his next contract. I mean, the guy's like 26 years old. He wants to get a monster payday. So if you're the Buccaneers, why not switch, you know, or swap out JJ or swap out uh, Shaq Barrett for JJ Watt, and you can save a whole bunch of money uh, instead of paying a guy $25 million per year, you could pay J.J. Watt maybe like $10, $15 million per year, save about $15 million, which you can use to go sign uh, Chris Godwin and bring back Ndamukong Sue and bring back all the other big free agents that you have. So those are the three destinations that I think would be perfect for J.J. Watt right now. Isaiah, you do have some great teams that where J.J. Watt can end up landing. But this, the question is, is he going to be healthy enough to be a key factor because like like you said the 49ers and bosa with nick bosa i could also say the same thing with the Chargers and joey bosa you great edge rushers and being nice you know put some pressure on the quarterback so they can't roll out so the only option is is running up the middle so if you can can contain the outside it's definitely perfect and i like you said with tampa bay that is kind of a bit of a stretch because of the salary cap that they're going to run into so if they can't really get them i understand that you like you said jj watt is going to take less money but at the same time, it's that salary cap. It's not going to be enough to keep that entire Super Bowl winning team together in that sense. 
But obviously, other teams may be looking for some key replacements. Maybe Washington might want to go more defensive heavy and just continue to build it up because they have Chase Young as an outside rusher. Now you have J.J. Watt. Now this like the Redskins defense has been pretty solid, though their offense wasn't pretty last year. But they were they basically won the NFC East. The NFC East is just having so many issues. So it's like if you need a good, strong defensive presence, might as well go with the Washington Redskins. And they can probably still dominate and probably still win that division again. They can shut down the Dallas Cowboys. And that division is basically theirs in a nutshell. But floating around, like you said, with Pittsburgh, definitely a good combination. But it's just going to be where he fits and can he stay healthy because no more team – wants to fork over probably like 30 to $25 million and a guy who's going to miss probably, you know, more than 50% of the season or maybe, you know, miss 30% of the season and you're trying to make a playoff push and he's not there and you miss him in the key weeks of like week eight to week 12. And that's when the playoff, he really gets underway for a lot of these teams. So is he going to be healthy by that time or is he going to be like, Week three or week four, he goes down with a arm injury, misses three to four weeks, and now your team's in the bubble or in jeopardy of missing the playoffs, and they need all the help that they can get, and you don't bring him back until the postseason where he's missed even more time, like miss another additional eight weeks on top of that until wild card weekend. So it's going to be really interesting to see. I know he probably wouldn't go to any team within that division, so you can rule out you know, the Colts, the Jags, um, and the Titans. Titans off of the list. And because he wouldn't do that to his former team unless he's that upset and wants to seek revenge. But I don't think JJ was that type of individual. But I guess the teams I'm looking at, I will probably say if the Rams are feeling aggressive and they feel like they have enough salary cap, I know you're saying no, but if they're trying to make a Super Bowl push, you just got Matt Stafford. You have a decent young wide receiving core. Now you're bringing JJ Watt in. Now you're actually making this team a more lethal contender to rival the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But I don't know. Like I said, a salary cap issue is going to be a rise for a lot of these teams to make some big moves this upcoming offseason to try to snag J.J. Watt. But we'll have to wait and see where this all unfoils. Like you said, there's some teams that we can make sure that things get aligned and put into place for J.J. Watt, but we'll have to wait and see when time tells. But would you have any other final thoughts on this topic where J.J. Watt could land or a team that, you know, best suits him in his endeavors? I could say, you know, there's, like I said, there's teams out there like Cincinnati if they're trying to build something, but I know they're not going to invest. Would the Lions try to build something? Probably not. Maybe the Green Bay Packers, as one of our, um, as Edward Lee said, another good team that you know could need some defensive weapons to help Aaron Rodgers and the Packers to get back into the Super Bowl p- prediction. But what teams do you think really need to take the snag and run with it if they're trying to really go after that Super Bowl push? Well. I think, like I mentioned earlier, even like I'm not trying to be a homer, but I think San Francisco really has to because right now this is your window to contend for a Super Bowl. You have a team that's built to win now, and the 49ers, you know, 
they're known for having a great defensive line that gets after the quarterback. And D Ford, like I mentioned in my rant from earlier, D Ford, I don't think he's going to play football again. I think the, like his career is done because he's dealing with like a chronic back injury and he has like some type of a neck injury. And for like for any football player, when you're having back and neck issues, that is never, ever good. And especially for a pass rusher. So I think that moving off of D Ford's contract and trying to get JJ Watt for like one or two years makes a lot of sense. Another team that, you know, I could really see getting JJ Watt um, would be the Buffalo Bills. I mean, the Buffalo Bills, they're in contention right now to win a Super Bowl. And they have a dynamic offense with Josh Allen, with Stephon Diggs and those guys. But their defense is a huge question mark. You know, their defense wasn't really the same like it was uh, two years ago last season. So they need to get better pass rushers, especially if they want to compete against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. And there is one team that I hope and pray that J.J. Watt does not go to. And that is the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, the Chiefs, we saw. They have a dynamic offense, Patrick Mahomes, great receivers with Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and that offensive line. Their one weakness, though, is that defense. And I think, Trevor, you could agree with me on this. We all knew the Chiefs' defense was the weakness of this football team. They they can bend, don't break all they want, but you can't bend, don't break uh, like your way to a Super Bowl. You can only bend, don't break so long before you get exposed for your weakness. And if J.J. Watt goes there, I mean, him opposite Frank Clark with Chris Jones in the middle, that would be a scary defensive line that would definitely um, make the Chiefs' de- defense much better than they are right now. Yep. Uh, I guess we can continue in the idea where the 49ers can go because – that leads in a perfect segue for our nice, I guess, in our next topic. Not nice topic, in our next topic. So according to CBS report, Sports Reports, it says that the 49ers head coach, Kyle Shanahan, is in love with Sam Darnold. Me, personally, I, I, like, like you put in your question, Isaiah, would you, like, would you move from Garoppolo to Darnold if you're the 49ers? I, me, personally, I would say no. Because like you said earlier in your statement, the 49ers are in the position to win now. And having a nice young quarterback, yes, if he's in the right system, he, he can probably do well, Sam Darnold. But you're trying to win in a Super Bowl right now. So you'd rather have a seasoned veteran. If you could probably you know, do some manipulation to get some key players, or not even like your wide receiving core is great, your offense is good, defense you know, come, is coming back, it's going to be healthy next season. But it's like, do I want to get Sam Darnold an opportunity or do I try to go get Deshaun Watson? Or do I I have like rumors for, you know, Russell Wilson. I doubt he would go to the 49ers, but it's always a possibility. But I think the key one I would say I'm going to hop on this bandwagon is try to get Matt Ryan. He's a good pocket passer. You give him enough assets. He can probably lead this team to a Super Bowl because that defense is solid and can easily probably take down Tom Brady in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and their high-powered offense. But Tom Brady is a, another thing to deal with. But I think Matt Ryan is seeking to get back to the Super Bowl but just doesn't have the team to do it. And the opportunities of that team is just choking and just hurting the rest of his career. So I think if he gets out of there and goes to the 49ers, I think he has a shot to get back to the Super Bowl. But I don't know. What do you think? Should the you know 49ers go after 
Sam Darnold and remove from Jimmy G, or should they try to get another quarterback and try to win right here, right now to get to the Super Bowl? I want to hear your takes on it, Isaiah. Trevor, remember last week I came on here and I said, no, 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 that the 49ers should not go after Carson Wentz. Well, you want him now? You, no, no, no. No way. Absolutely. <laughs> is, that, is that what you're saying? You want Carson Wentz? Carson Wentz on the 49ers. If we get Carson Wentz, I might go to the 49ers headquarters in Santa Clara, California, and, you know, hold up some signs and just be like, be there as a one man show and protest. But that's another different story for a different day. In terms of Sam Darnold. I'm not as down as a lot of people are on Sam Darnold. I think that Sam Darnold can still be a great quarterback in the NFL. I think that Sam Darnold, um, you know, when he since he's entered the NFL, he's just had like really bad luck. He's been in a really bad organization with the Jets, so much dysfunction over there. And also he's been with just a really bad coach in Adam Gase who, you know, Look at all the players that have left Adam Gase's offense. They look like completely different football players without Adam Gase. So I think that Darnold could turn it around um, if he's put in the right organization and in the right system. But when I look at this move, if I'm the 49ers, I am definitely not uh, giving the Jets my first-round pick to get Sam Darnold because I think that Darnold's stock is really low right now and if you give them your first round pick that is just absolutely ludicrous but i would consider maybe trading like a second round pick or a third round pick because the niners have a boatload of second round picks and third round picks to get sam darnold as my quarterback uh, and move on from jimmy garoppolo because i think that darnold in kyle shanahan's offense his quarterback friendly scheme i think he would be able to thrive but and, and also the reason why I would make the move is because Garoppolo, even though Garoppolo I think is a better uh, passer and better quarterback than Sam Darnold, he can't stay healthy. I mean, you cannot trust Jimmy Garoppolo year in and year out to make 16 starts. You just can't. I mean, the guy maybe like the highest – amount of starts that you can maybe hope for is like 10 or 11 starts before he has an injury. I mean, this guy is just so injury prone. So that's why I would take Sam Darnold because he's younger. He's cheaper. He's, I think he's only making like $4.9 million for the next two years, which would save you a ton of money, which you can use to further, you know, bolster your team. You can add to your receiving corps. You can add to the offensive line. You can add to the defensive line and the secondary. You can save like so much money from moving on from Garoppolo and giving the reins to Darno and bolstering your team. And also, you know, I think another thing is that Sam Darno, he's just younger. I mean, that's why I like Sam Darno. He's a younger quarterback. He's cheaper. Plus, he's not injury prone. I would do it, but only for the right price. Like if the Jets are asking for a couple of first round picks, like Matthew Stafford uh, got from, or with, yeah, the Lions got for Matthew Stafford, no way in hell. But if they're asking for maybe like a second round pick or a second and a third, I'll definitely do it. What I could see is happening is you could get a three way trade coming going down. You know. The Texans are trying to get rid of all their key assets at this point and start from scratch and rebuild an entire franchise from scratch. 
Or, you know, like we said earlier, the Houston Texans could move to a new state and the rest will be history. And we'll keep our streak, streak alive because, you know, here on the MI6 Sports Network, we are campaigning that the Houston Texans leave Houston and go to another city that is deserving of a NFL franchise. So, you know, make sure you comment in the, you know, in the videos where you think the Houston Texans should go so we can continue this campaign push for the Houston Texans to leave Houston yet again. <laughs> it's just something about that city, you know. I think I'll do one for Callan. The San Diego needs another professional football team, so how about you take in the Texans? So I just, you know, picture Callan in the word no. But we'll wait and see when he comes in and chimes in in our lovely comment section. But let's, you know, move on for tonight's segment into the NBA, the world of basketball. It seems that our boy, I mean, your boy, Isaiah, Devin Booker had some things to say after his game against the Milwaukee Bucks. So that game was 125 to 124. And he said, you know, last night, I guess Wednesday night, that he thought that when Giannis pulled up that game-winning jumper, it didn't really phase him because he said, you know, the Suns are in good shape, you know. For me, I kind of have to feel like, you know, it's just one game. You took care of business and you move on, you know. You got you got nothing to lose in the early stages of the NBA. So it's definitely a good confidence booster for the Phoenix Suns. Like I said earlier, when they got Chris Paul, they're building something that can be magical this season to be a playoff contending team. And like I said, they don't have to win the playoff like series. They just have to get there. And it's start of something great on their hands. If they win this series – and upset a really good team, they're probably going to be a seventh or an AC. If they upset the Lakers or upset the Clippers or upset anybody else in the like the top three in the West, it's going to be an eye-opener, and, and people are going to stop hopping on this Devin Booker bandwagon like you did before this hype was even a reality. So you can say you're the first fan to really say that Devin Booker, Booker is really changing the franchise of the Phoenix Suns with the help of Chris Paul. But I want to see your thoughts on this. What do you think, like, do you have an issue with, you know, Devin Booker saying that statement that, you know, they're in good shape against, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks in that sense? Well, Trevor, first of all, let's get something straight. That mm -hmm. was a total diss by Devin Booker towards Giannis Antetokounmpo. Devin Booker, when he said that statement, he said that when Giannis pulled up for the game-winning jumper, that he thought the Suns were in good shape. He basically said that he thought that Giannis was going to miss that shot. That's basically what he said. Um, you know, I have no problem with what Devin Booker said because it's the truth. Giannis Antetokounmpo is not that great of a shooter. Giannis is a career 52% shooter from the field and a 28% shooter from three-point land. His game primarily relies on him driving to the basket and bullying his way by his opponent to the cup. So anytime you get Giannis to shoot a jumper or take a three to potentially tie or win the ball game, it's a good thing because more likely than not, he's not going to make that shot. The analytics, they favor you. On the other hand, however, if it's like Stephen Curry or Klay Thompson or LeBron James, Devin Booker should absolutely be worried. But this is Giannis Antetokounmpo right now. Giannis, even though he's a great basketball player, he's not a good shooter 
right now. And I w- if I had to bet on him making a shot, like a jumper or a three, to either win the game or tie the game, I I would I would bet on him missing the shot. That's just how unconfident I am in Giannis and his shooting. So you're telling me Giannis is overrated. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> so you hear to hear first, ladies and gentlemen. Isaiah is saying that Giannis is overrated. We'll have to wait and see if if he wins another, you know, league MVP. Can can you say he's overrated at that point now, Isaiah? If if Giannis can do something in the playoffs, then I will reverse my stance. But other than that, other like than right now, I just. Don't like I get he's a great basketball player, but the guy is not a good shooter. I mean, Devin Booker is completely right, and everybody's saying, like, oh, you know, um Giannis, like he's so good, he could be the next goal. Let me see him do something in the playoffs before I judge him. Well, Kiersey Wilson says overrated, you know. <laughs> so, you know, it's tough to say. Those can argue that, you know, Giannis, you know, in the world of being overrated. Last year was basically his year to get to the NBA Finals, and he was fa- he failed to do so. Yes, the Miami Heat w- was a good basketball team, but you were supposed to be the team to get to the NBA Finals, to face LeBron James, and to prove the naysayer wrong that you're a good basketball player and you could take down a superstar Lakers team. Though it was going to be like the nearest impossible feat to do, but just him getting to the postseason and getting to the NBA Finals has a lot more weight. But at the same time, the Milwaukee Bucks had nothing around Giannis to make it a deep run into the playoffs. They had fantastic overall season in the regular season, but couldn't get it done in the postseason. And we could say the same thing with the Toronto Raptors before they got Kawhi Leonard. They have fantastic regular season, but came short in the postseason against LeBron James in the either the Miami Heat or the Cleveland Cavaliers, it's just you need something to get you over the hunt to put you in the picture, and the Bucks have just never gave Giannis that opportunity. And Giannis had the opportunity to leave Milwaukee and join another organization to make something really happen, to give him a contending chance. But now he's in the same position again where he can probably win you know, another league MVP but fall short in the playoffs and probably come up short against the Brooklyn Nets and just be like, well, he keeps winning these finals MVP, well, not finals MVPs, league MVPs, but not making a run in the playoffs and being a contending, you know, NBA champion at this point. But we have to wait and see how the season unfolds. Isaiah, do you have any other comments that you want to add to tonight on Giannis or Devin Booker or the potential of the NBA season? Well, I just want to say this before we move on. I want to tell our audience, make sure you guys tune in to tomorrow's episode of The Night Shift because I'm going to have a scorching hot take for you guys. But Trevor, I want to throw this question at you. Mm-hmm. You don't have a problem. Do you have a problem with Devin Booker basically dissing Giannis and saying that, you know, uh, when Giannis pulls up for the game-winning jumper or the tying three or whatever – He's going to miss that shot. That's basically what Booker is saying in this uh, statement that he said. There, there is some problem to it, but at the same time, like Devin Booker had a hot 
last season at the tail end with the last eight game stretch. So it's like he can, you know, talk a little bit, have a little swagger to him, give him that, you know, boost that he wants, that, you know, a little bit of a star player ego that this young Devin Booker has to offer in the league. But I feel like for him, he needs to get to the postseason before he can really start doing trash talking because at this point in time, Giannis has his number on that. And if Devin Booker fails to meet, reach the playoffs, I think he needs to kind of keep his mouth shut in that sense. But I don't know. Like if he, like I said, once he's in the playoff picture, he's allowed to talk trash talk because Giannis hasn't got to the NBA Finals. And if Devin Booker gets to the NBA Finals before him, he can talk all he wants about Giannis missing all those shots because he's been to the NBA Finals. He doesn't have to win it. He just has to get there, and the rest is history. Well, I mean, I completely agree with you. I think that, you know, if he can get to the NBA Finals, um, you know, then he can talk. But what, why I'm saying, like, you know, I have no problem with his statement, it's just because I think that, you know, even though they're not going to say it publicly, I think that majority of NBA players think is thinking what Devin Booker is saying out loud to the media that when Giannis pulls up for a game winner, he's most likely more than not not going to make it. Yep, and I guess we can move on to our next NBA segment. So the next NBA segment is looking back to, you know, All-Star Weekend for the NBA. And the NBA is in talks of doing a slam dunk competition at halftime during the All-Star game. Because I know with COVID, the All-Star Weekend is a little bit shorter to like only one day. But at the same time, is it's going to be very interesting to see how it unfolds. Me personally, you can do a slam dunk competition but it's just like how many rounds can you get done? How many cool dunks you can get in during like a 15-minute halftime show? Is it only going to be only the best, you know, top three dunkers and see, you know, what ends up unfolding? I just don't think you have enough time to get really creative dunks in 15 minutes. Though they could be working up great ideas, but I just don't think the slam dunk competition should be at the, you know, halftime of the All-Star game. But I want to hear your takes on that, Isaiah. I think that this is an utter stupid idea. And the reason why is because what are you going to do if you're the NBA, right? You already have like the players that are going to be going down for the all-star game. So are you going to pull them out like after they're done playing the first half and have them participate in the dunk contest? Or are you going to have another set of guys that are going to be the ones participating in the dunk contest? It just makes no sense whatsoever. I mean, uh, you could potentially be risking injuries by having some of these players that um, are playing in the all-star game, but participating in the dunk contest, like they could, you know, land wrong or they can you know twist something and then they would be out for a long period of time i just don't like this i think that the nba if you're gonna do an all-star game you might as well just do an all-star weekend where you have like three days uh you have like some players participate in a three-point shooting contest other players participate in a dunk contest instead of like doing this at halftime i just think that this is too rushed and the nba is just trying to cram everything into one day and i could foresee disaster happening if they do yeah, we got James Gonzalez in his comment, and it's just like the slam dunk contest, in his opinion, has been awful lately. Yes, there's not been that much of a thrilling dunk competition where it's like something cool appeared. Yes, I know at one point 
you know, different things happen over the years. But like in most recent memory, there's only like a couple of, you know, dunks that I can remember off the top of my head. But I, I don't know. I feel like we need more interesting dunks. Like bring some trampolines, make this thing something unique about the slam dunk contest versus like, oh, behind the back, windmill. Like, yeah, I understand you have like the classic dunks, but make something exciting, something crazy. I understand you don't want to get the players injured by doing all these crazy stunts and doing all that stuff. But I think we just need something exciting, more pizzazz to it. Just imagine, you know, when they make a slam dunk, the backboard shoots fire out or something like that. Some fireworks go off, some, some excitement to add to it since we don't have fans there. So, you know, NBA, do what you can do to make the slam dunk contest very exciting so our fans at home, we can get up on our feet when we have a crazy dunk that happens. But Isaiah, I'll go to you. How would you fit a dunk contest into 15 minutes of halftime? It really you can't. Uh, yeah, like you you can't because the dunk contest, I think what every round, every uh, participant gets what five minutes or something. And then that totals up. It's like at least 30, 40 minutes uh, of a dunk contest. So I don't know. I don't think the NBA um, is thinking this through really. I think that, uh, like I said earlier, they should just basically have three days set up and have an all-star weekend instead of just having one all-star game and you're trying to cram everything into half halftime of that game. I think that's a better idea instead of, you know, trying to just cram everything into halftime. Yeah, and James Gonzalez has another one says that the slam dunk participants, you know, are usually not the stars, so it could work out. So I think you definitely have something there as, you know, a backup stars come through and you can see some crazy good dunks, but I see you have a comment as well, Isaiah. Yeah, the only issue with that, though, is that I read somewhere that the NBA um, with this all-star game that they're going to do, they're only going to bring like 30 players, I think, like 15 on both sides to uh, that place, to Atlanta, where they're having the all-star game because they think that if you bring like, you know, 30 to maybe 35 players for the all-star game and bring that little players, you know, it's easy for them to keep an eye on them and make sure they're not breaking any rules with COVID and stuff like that. And, you know, it's easier for them to quarantine as well. So if, if you're only bringing like 30, 35 players, then I'm guessing you're going to have to pull some of these guys from like from playing the game after the first half. And then they're going to have to, um, you know, do the dunk contest at halftime. So it just really makes no sense. I much rather prefer the NBA to do like a three-day thing than just one day. And Kirsty Wilson in her comments says, the slam dunk hasn't really been the same since Vince, Vince Carter won it back in 2000. I, I kind of have to disagree. I kind of say I remember when Blake Griffin won it. I know that was a little extra hype and it didn't really need to be like that. But jumping over the hood of a car, no one has really done that type of a prop. And he also, like, they also brought out a choir to sing, I can believe I can fly. So it's like there was the extra emphasis into Blake Griffin's slam dunk competition for him to win that one. But I do agree. After that one, there really hasn't been any other dunk moments that have stood out that you can say, oh, I can recall it. 
Because, like, I can recall the Blake Griffin dunk. It's been over probably, like, 11 years old over at this point. It's one of those iconic dunks that, you know, once you see it, you'll always remember it. But, you know, let's let's continue moving on for tonight. Isaiah, I'll let you go into this one. But I'll bring up the picture. So, in the meantime, I'll let you get underway. All right. So, um, do we have the picture, Trevor? Yes, we do. So... Um, the question for this topic is out of all these players, we've got Zach Levine, we've got Mike Conley, we've got Zion, we got Jalen Brown, Colin Sexton, and Malcolm Brogdon. Which player do you believe is most deserving of his first all star appearance? Trevor, this is very tough because I think you know you can make a case that all six of these guys are very, very deserving of their first all-star appearance. I mean, Zach Levine is balling out right now. Mike Conley, um, he's having a great year. Zion, you know, he's doing his thing. Jalen Brown is doing amazing things for the Celtics. Colin Sexton, he's having a, a great year, and he's showing the Cavaliers um, what I've been saying for the past, you know, year or so, that he's a future superstar. Malcolm Brogdon as well. So this is very, very tough. Um, but, you know, I'm going to go with two guys. I'm going to go with Zach Levine, and I'm going to go with Colin Sexton. I think that uh, right now, Zach Levine, this guy has been a star in the making for the last two, three years. He's been bowling out on a Chicago Bulls team that is uh, really, really bad, and he's just putting up really good numbers. I mean, when you look at what he's doing right now, the guy's averaging 28.2 points per game. Uh, he's got 5.3 assists per game, shooting 51% from the field, 42% from three, 86.3 from the free throw line. I mean, this guy's just balling out right now, and he deserves to finally, you know, get that recognition that he deserves and be put into the all-star game. Um, and the other guy is Colin Sexton. You guys know how enamored I've been with Colin Sexton. You know, I've said from the beginning that I think that this – kid is a superstar in the making and this kid is just balling out for the Cavs uh, he's averaging 22.7 points per game played in 21 games and in the 21 games that Colin Sexton has played in 18 of those 21 he scored at least 20 plus points in 18 of those 21 point uh, 21 games my apologies uh, that he's played for the Cavaliers, something that LeBron James and Kyrie Irving has not done or didn't do in their first three years with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, Sexton's shooting 48% from the field, 42% from three. He's just really improved as a scorer for the Cavs this season. And, you know, the Cavaliers, they've gotten off to a really good start. I think they're like 10 and 14. They've dropped four in a row. But still, the Cavaliers, they're playing – at the rate that nobody expected coming into the season. And it's very, very impressive. So I'm going to go with Zach Levine and Colin Sexton as my two players that I think deserve their first all-star nod. Isaiah, I will agree with you of one out of two of those players. My The one I agree with you is Colin Sexton. He's definitely been putting his time and effort in the Cleveland Cavaliers. I have him for fantasy. He hasn't disappointed me yet. So he definitely has the right to be a part of. Stole him for me. I know, because I, I know you were talking about him. I was like saying, let me just ruin Isaiah's night in our fantasy basketball. And I'll just like 
you know, take Colin Sexton away from him. And so I did. And thus is history. And my team is doing all right in the MI6 Fantasy Basketball League. And my second one that I'm going to go with is Zion. Zion has been put in the dark corner now. Like his hype has faded away, but he needs to get back in the limelight to be that star, the attraction that everyone wants, that nice big men on their team to continue to contribute. I know last season he had injury and then the season got abrupt because of COVID. And he hasn't really had the opportunity to truly shine like a star that he could become. So I think if he continues to keep this heat going and all this momentum behind him, I think Zion will probably, you know, get his opportunity to become a all-star if he continues to put in that good work. But I will go to you, Isaiah, before we move on to our you know, MLB segment. But, you know, any other players you should, you know, try to vouch for and say, you know, I will give them the opportunity to be a part of All-Star Weekend and be on that first All-Star selection. Well, looking at this list, you know, I've already mentioned Sexton. I've already mentioned uh, Zach Levine. Uh, When we look at the Western Conference, right, you know, the choices here are Mike Conley, Zion Williamson. I think Mike Conley also deserves a nod too because the Jazz have been playing really good basketball right now. They are the number one seed in the Western Conference. I mean, I don't believe anybody coming into the year thought that, you know, 20, 22 games in, that the Utah Jazz would be you know, the number one seed in the Western Conference. I mean, they're playing outstanding basketball. Mike Conley, he's playing six or he's averaging 16.5 points per game, shooting 45% from the field, uh, 41% from three, being a difference maker alongside Donovan Mitchell on that Utah Jazz basketball team. So I think that just based on what the Jazz have done and getting to that number one seed in that Western Conference – I think that Mike Conley deserves a nod um, over Zion because I'm going to go, you know, the NBA last year, they, they, it was down to Chris Paul and Devin Booker for that final spot in the all-star roster in the West. And the, the NBA chose Chris Paul, even though Devin Booker was averaging t- 10 more points points per game on a nightly basis than Chris Paul. They chose Chris Paul because he was winning more games than Devin Booker. So I'm going to go based on the league's logic. If you're going to go based on that logic, then I expect Mike Conley to be chosen over Zion. Even though Mike uh, Zion's having the better year, it's because the Jazz are the number one seed in the West right now, and Zion's Pelicans, they are like I think they're 10th or 11th in the West. So based on the league's logic, you got to go with Mike Conley um, over Zion to get uh, his first all-star nod. And James, and James Gonzalez's um, comment is he wouldn't mind, you know, Conley Jr. getting in. Three jazz, three jazz players in the all-star game this season is, you know, is deserving. So we have to, you know, see what the, you know, the committee wants what the fans want, and by the time March rolls around, we'll see what we get by All Star Weekend and see what our predictions are right. But Isaiah, we will now move on to the MLB segment where I will let you take the show away. So, Trevor, our MLB 
uh, topic for tonight is the news that dropped last night um, that the New York Mets have talked to the Oakland A's about a potential Matt Chapman trade. And ladies and gentlemen, Trevor, I think you should just put the camera on me right now uh, and, you know, put your shades on, put your captain's hat on, and just chill for a bit because I think that oh, this, you know it, buddy. You know it. <laughs> yes, I think that this rant is going to be a long one because oh, I'm no. really heated at the Oakland A's and what they're doing right now. So, Trevor, last night I was just sitting in my chair drinking a nice, hot, soothing cup of Vietnamese hot coffee, which I recommend to everybody out there. I was drinking my cup of Vietnamese hot coffee when I was scrolling through the latest news on my phone's feed, and I stumbled upon this news, and I read the entire article, and I immediately became incensed and utterly disgusted. It's just another spear to the heart of the many times that this organization has let me down. Why, 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 why are the A's even contemplating this? Not even like making the trade. Why are you even considering this uh, potential trade? Why are you even talking to teams about trading Matt Chapman? It makes no freaking sense whatsoever the oakland a's are a notoriously cheap franchise this is the same franchise ladies and gentlemen that when the pandemic first hit they couldn't even afford to pay their minor leaguers that's how pathetic of a franchise the oakland a's are we aren't talking about paying the minor leaguers 10 million 15 million no we're talking about paying these minor leaguers about 300,000 to 500,000 per player and the Oakland A's they still couldn't even pay those players that amount of money that just shows you how cheap of a franchise the Oakland A's are Matt Chapman Matt Chapman is one of the best third basemen in all of baseball. I mean, the guy is right now 27 years of age. He's in the prime of his career. He's a terrific offensive player. If you take out the stats from last season, which was an unusual, abnormal, truncated 60-game season, and you just look at the stats from the two full regular seasons that he's played in the big leagues, which is two, Matt Chapman, in 2019, he hit 249 with three with 36 homers and 91 RBIs. And in 2018, Matt Chapman hit 278 with 24 home runs and 61 RBIs. He is a tremendous power hitter and a great run producer as well. He's the perfect middle of the lineup bat that you need to contend for a championship. He's also an unbelievable defender at the hot corner. In both years, 2018 and 2019, Matt Chapman was given uh, the Platinum Gold Glove, which is an award given to the best defender at his position. He is a terrific defender. He's a terrific offensive player. And, you know, the guy I thought or I think this season could be in the running 
for MVP. That's just how good of a player Matt Chapman is. Unfortunately, though, many people don't know who Matt Chapman is because he plays in a small market in Oakland. But trust me, ladies and gentlemen, Matt Chapman or Chappie, as we call him here in the Bay Area, is a superstar. Matt Chapman is under Oakland A's team control for the next three seasons. You know, Major League Baseball, they have this rule that mandates that you have to have five years of service time before you can become a free agent and get that lucrative multi-year deal that you deserve. Uh, and for the first five years of your career before you become a free agent, you're only making like a million to four to five million per year, depending on your status as a player. Matt Chapman, I guarantee you, if he were to go on the open market right now, he would make at least 15 to $20 million per year. The A's damn sure could not afford that. So they are lucky as hell that Matt Chapman has not surpassed five years of service time and he's still under contract with the club for a minimal price uh, for the next three years. It just makes no sense whatsoever for this poverty-stricken franchise to trade this guy when he's one of the best players in all of baseball and he's only making minimum pay. I get the fact there that there's a tradition in Oakland where every five years, you know, the A's, they trade the core that they have and they break it all up because they can't afford to pay those players. So they have to trade them away and get some assets back. But... Right now, the Oakland A's, they have a young core right now that is primed to contend for a World Series. You have a core of Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, Jesus Lazardo, Chris Bassett, Sean Manaya, Sean Murphy, and a bunch of other young, phenomenal baseball players. Last year, the A's won the American League West division title for the first time since 2013. They made it out of the wild card Finally, for the first time since 2014, and they made it to the American League Division Series. These guys are young, they are hungry, and they are just scratching the surface of their potential. It literally makes no sense for you right now to tear this core apart when all of these guys that I just listed are under team control for the next three to four seasons and are making minimum pay. It just makes no sense, and it boggles my mind completely why the A's would even entertain this when this core, like I said earlier, is only scratching the surface of their potential. Like I get trading them maybe like two years down the line when they are about a year away from free agency, but you don't do it right now. You just don't do it right now, and I cannot believe Billy Bean, David Force, and that A's front office would even consider trading Matt Chapman and maybe breaking up this core that they have right now here in Oakland after like a couple of seasons of great success, even though they're, these guys are still under contract for a long time and they're making minimum pay. It makes no sense whatsoever. Billy Bean and David Forrest, y'all better not do this. I'm telling you right now, you better not do this and trade Chapman and break up this core. I swear, if you do this and you make this move, I will turn in my Ace fan credential forever and I will denounce this team and not be an Ace fan ever again. If you make this absolute foolish move and break up this core and trade Chapman when these guys are still under contract and 
are, are really cheap right now. Well, our good friend Callan has made an appearance tonight, ladies and gentlemen. So let me read his comments, switch my glorious shades off to read my dear Callan's, you know, post. The A's have already contended for a World Series against the likes of the Yankees, White Sox, Astros, Braves, Cardinals, Dodgers, and the Padres. Good luck. Good luck with that one, Leong, from Callan. So, Isaiah, your thoughts? Well, my thoughts <laughs> is that I think the A's still, they can challenge uh, for definitely a division title. Uh, they definitely, I expect this team to go to the ALCS this year, but uh, we're going to talk about that in our baseball preview show in a couple of weeks. But the A's, you better not do this. I mean, it just makes no sense whatsoever. It would be a foolish move if you decide to do this. Uh, and I guarantee you also one more thing before, you know, Trevor, you go back to the comments. Billy Bean and this A's front office and this ownership group, there's right now the Coliseum, the Oakland Coliseum holds 70,000 people. You know how many fans per night the A's get for A's games at the Coliseum? 10 thousand people per night and if it's like a great team that is coming to oakland to play the a's maybe we'll get 20 to thirty thousand per night but on most nights we get only ten thousand out of seventy thousand fans per night at the oakland coliseum there is so many empty seats all over the place right now if you trade matt chapman and you break up this core that you have right now in oakland there would be, I guarantee you, the next time I go back to the Coliseum as a fan, the A's would probably only have 20 fans total in the stands for A's games. That's just how um, disgusted A's fans would be if Matt Chapman got traded from the Oakland A's. Yeah, James Gonzalez says it says it's one of the best, you know. Make sure they get, you know, Chapman back. You know, let's let's see what ends up happening. Let's it's going to be very, very interesting. Yep. If they do trade him to the Mets, you better get back either a DeGrom or a Cindergaard or a high-impact star for Matt Chapman if you're going to trade him with three years of control left. Absolutely ridiculous that this story is out there and the A's are even entertaining talks for Matt Chapman. Total disgrace. And Callum comes back in. How many fan cards has Isaiah turned in asking for a friend? Isaiah, we need to definitely keep a record of all the fan cards you turned in and pull back out and saying, I'm a fan again. I'm fully in support of this team. Or it's like saying for the 49ers, he says, I'm canceling this season. I am done. Cancel the 49ers season. I am done. And they have a chance to get into the playoffs. The season's back on, according to Isaiah. So fans... Keep track of the number of times Isaiah says his, you know, he's done with the team, try to turn in a fan card, and try to reclaim it. And probably by the end of the year, we'll probably come up with some prize and probably send it out to y'all for your efforts of keeping track of the number of times Isaiah turns in his fan cards for his teams that he has. You know, another comment by Callan is, it would be nice if the A's actually had a new ballpark, wishful thinking with that city's leadership, you know, that new a new ballpark would definitely change it and open a lot of eyes in baseball. A lot of these baseball stadiums share the same complex as an NFL stadium. So the reconfiguring of the stadium is not the ideal situation for some of these baseball stadiums and a lot of the seating capacity 
won't be used. But, you know, it's just how those stadiums are designed and just trying to transition between a, you know, major league soccer or to the NFL, to the baseball. Those fields go through a lot of different iterations to be able to support the fans that attend those events. And then another one by James Gonzalez. The A's better come up with a solid stadium plan soon or they should move to Las Vegas. You know, every team should just go to Las Vegas because, you know, it makes, you know, betting a lot more easier in the world of sports if there's already a sports team there. But that's just going to be our take for tonight in the world of MLB and the show of MLB. Well, now, ladies and gentlemen, let's move on to the Power Five. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. We are here for Power 5. Cue your careless whispers from the movie Deadpool and play it as we start for tonight's Power 5 segment is top five places to go on a date, ladies and gentlemen. Isaiah, I will go to you. What places would you take a very special someone in your Power 5? List them off for us. Callan, if you are watching, I hope you uh, stay tuned uh, until the rest of my Power 5 list is completed because I guarantee you there's one on that list that is definitely for you. But since it's Valentine's Day or Valentine's Day is uh, around the corner, ladies and gentlemen, we're doing top five places to go on a date tonight. (sighs) Number five, Trevor, on my list is actually Levi Stadium, the home of the San Francisco 49ers. If my girlfriend was a 49ers fan, that definitely would be number one on my list. But, you know, regardless if she's a sports fan or not, I would definitely take her to Levi Stadium because Levi's, even though, like, I've worked there for the last three, four years, and it's one of the nicest stadiums out there. Uh, the the clubs inside the stadium is just super nice and you have the ac on with all the tvs on and uh you have uh playing outside and the food is so great so definitely you know levi stadium uh is number five on my list uh number four (laughs) number four on my list is the aquarium the aquarium and the reason being is because who doesn't like to see the beautiful sea creatures that are roaming our oceans the absolutely colorful sea creatures roaming our oceans in the aquarium it is so nice you just walk around and look at the different fishes and look at the different dolphins and look at the different sharks that they are there and even a the coral as well so that would be number four on my list um number three on my list would be where's where's that comment trevor where's that comment wait, wait you put mcdonald's as a place to take someone on a date it would be mcdonald's yes first date though first date now i'm not saying like if you're like deep into like the relationship first date because you would take someone your first you would take your girlfriend the first girlfriend on a date to mcdonald's like yeah. just got into a relationship and the first yeah. date is mcdonald's why i can i can understand if you get mcdonald's fries and just you know talking over that but going into the actual restaurant 
and having a date there. No, no. <laughs> no, I feel like that's later in the relationship where you have a fry date and you just order McDonald's French fries and just eat fries. <laughs> because McDonald's is a place where you could just sit down, you can order some cheap food and delicious burgers and fries, and you could even get a cup of coffee there and just sit and talk if you want. Callan's out. Kirstie Wilson's upset as well. McDonald's for the first date? No. Uh, Our fans can agree to something like that. Man. <laughs> Number two on my list is got to be the movie theater, man. Movie theater. Perfect place, you know, to see a movie, you know, together as a couple. See a movie. Just chill. Just talk. Have fun. And number one on my list, this is for you, Cal, and I hope you're still tuning in. Uh, I'm trying to pull up the picture right now. It is right there, the La Valencia Hotel. This is one of the nicest and best hotels in San Diego. I mean, look at this place. You, There's a perfect uh, lobby or, you know, Dining area that you could just sit and chill out there. I mean, it's next to the beach. There's a swimming pool there. Uh, there's so much palm trees. It's just so nice and so uh, beautiful. And I would this would be definitely the number one place to take a first date or to have a first date and blow your girl away. Isaiah, yeah. you, 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 the only one I think people wouldn't agree with was the McDonald's one on your list. I think people would agree that you don't take her there as the first date. I think we all can agree to that. But I think James, you know, says it one of the best. <laughs> ha, McDonald's and tell her she can order whatever she wants. Come on, Isaiah. Well, let's continue reading some comments before I get to mine. Um, Callan, what kind of Power 5 is this? I thought this was the Power 5 movie crushes. Hashtag cancel MI6. <laughs> oh, man. And then James Gonzalez has one, says the the beach, nice restaurant, movie, theater, club, or bar at home, and the man cooks dinner. Ooh. I love that one. I love that. I'm, I'm guessing, I guess it's different ones because it's the beach and then – and then a nice restaurant, movie theater, club or bar, and the bar home, and then or the man cooks dinner. I don't know if it's like individual power five or is it like just an entire event. I don't know James, when you get a chance, let us know if it's like individual dates or is it all at once that happens for one date for like one evening. Let us know and we'll I'll get back to your comment for sure. Uh, Kirstie Wilson has her power five. Her number five is the movie theater. Number four, Applebee's. Number three, Chili's. Number two, a nice restaurant at a hotel. And number one, home. Well, for me, ladies and gentlemen, I will start with an honorable mention. You can't go wrong with having a date at home. I understand people saying, why, why, why is that? I, the reason why I put that as number six is some people love to cook at home and that's just like the bread and butter. So it's not really like a date to them. And sometimes people eat out a lot and it's just not the same. But how I would phrase this is home dinner is more of the lines of you cooking something that you normally don't cook 
It's not around like the holidays where you just cook turkey and all that stuff, but like dishes that you love, but you don't cook as often and you convert into a date night with yourself and with your significant other and just, you know, spend time having a good time in the kitchen, cooking your favorite dishes. And then once that's all settled down, you eat, have a candlelight dinner, have some nice wine. And then after, after the fact, you know, maybe play some board games, clean the dishes, put some music on, slow dance a little bit. And then at the end of the night, you know, watch a movie to wind down the evening. James Gonzalez got back to them. Says, sorry, those are his individual Power Five places. Definitely done them all. Thank you for the input, James. Thank you for clarifying that up. So, but now I will get into my Power Five. My number five on this list, Isaiah, is a lake date. So you go out to the middle of a lake, have a nice sun umbrella as the girl holds it, and you have your picnic basket, and you row the boat out to the middle of the lake and just have lunch at a lake. Or if you don't want to go out on the lake, you know, you can have a picnic on the side of the shore and have a good time. It's really nice, good bonding, enjoying nature. And if it's a nice day, it's very nice to be, you know, on the water and having a good day on the open lake. Number four on this list. I know you said movie theater, but I can top it. We're going to go back to like the 1950s and 60s, the drive-in movie theater. You get nice and comfy. You lay your blanket down and you watch the big screen at the drive-in movie theater. It's a classic Hollywood date moment. And I can't believe you left it off. I understand drive-in movie theaters are hard to come by nowadays. But I think in the world of COVID, I think we could start making, seeing a world of resurgence of drive-in movie theaters because you can keep people socially distanced and still watch a good movie. So we could see a surge of drive-in movie theaters being popped up and just having a giant billboard where they can just screen something and people can socially distance and watch. So fingers crossed for the comeback of drive-in movie theaters and see what ends up happening. My number three. Oh, I see you have a comment, Isaiah. Oh, no, I was just uh, crossing my fingers because definitely that's a great idea, Trevor, for drive-in movie theaters to come back, especially with uh, or when COVID you know, goes away because I like the idea of you just, you know, parking your car in there with a nice blanket and you sit there and relax and just watch a nice movie. It's perfect. Yep. So number three on my list, I have mini golf slash top golf. Come on. We all love a good solid date night at the mini golf course, working on the putt putt, you know, making sure you have that nice perfect hole in one. Cause in my mini golf experience, I probably have gotten three hole in ones and probably had two of those hole-in-ones happen back-to-back on the same course. I was like, yo, I am the king of golf. Give me my green master jacket. I'll be joining Tiger Woods in the Masters Hall of Fame. For That is the case. Top Golf has definitely had you know, a fun experience. I haven't played it yet, but when I get the opportunity to play Top Golf, I will definitely you know, give it a try and, and have a good, you know, good swing and be the best golfer out of my friend group or out of the date night that will go down. Number two on this list, if you have the need for speed, go goat kart racing in your day. Who is the better driver? Who can drive the fastest? And you could probably put a nice wager on who wins the race, has to you know, pick up the check or the tap at dinner. So a little fun competition in the goat kart track. And there's a lot of different tracks that you can be a part of. And it's just so much fun when you do go-kart racing because you can do a team 
it could be couples versus couples or it's like the genders versing each other who's the better gender and stuff like that so you have very fun attributes to the whole go-kart racing but the king of kings almighty dates that will top them all or one of the tops i will say is laser tag laser tag is always a fun date experience you can team up with your significant other be like james bond and you know or bonnie and clyde and just light it up and just take people down on laser tag and try to see who has the better you know score or who's the better sharpshooter in this instance and that's why i put laser tag as the king of all dates and the best time to have a great time to be on a date isaiah i will go to you and before i go to you james gonzalez has a comment he says we could when we could amusement parks is a great place for this power five and i agree with james as a good spot for sure isaiah First of all, I think you just blew away my entire list. I, I was putting some time into this. I was talking to John Al Corden when I was coming up with it. But like when I made the list, I only had the first two spots because I didn't know how to finish the last three because there was just so many different ones I could put in there. That is but true. I finally came together before the show, and I put down this solid six person, I guess, not person list, but six date items that I would, you know, would do on a date. So when you brought up the the picnic at the lake, you know, you gave me another uh, or an honorable mention to add to my list, and that is let me pull up that picture. A picnic here at Jack London Square in Oakland. I mean, you could sit on the grass, have a picnic there, and just look out with the. The lake and the boats there. I mean, it's just a perfect scenic view to have a picnic there. So definitely, this would be uh, an honor, a great honorable mention uh, for a first date. All right. Um, before we go into our final thoughts, Calum posted in the comments: "This is Disneyland will always and forever is number one, and there isn't four other places that come close." Calum, you know. We did we amusement. We did, come close? <laughs> we did amusement park rides. Oh, I guess before I get into that, it says Isaiah, you literally said it a fast food place. It was one of the best places to go on a date. Trevor is better than Isaiah and isn't even close. It's all it's about as good as Isaiah saying fantasy basketball would be and cakewalk. Oh man. And Kiersey Wilson says, I should have mentioned that the beach in Florida would is a nice place to have a picnic. But before I let you go, Isaiah, I think the place that Callan said about Disneyland, I will bring it back up. The best place in Disneyland to have a date is riding the small world. That's because I know Isaiah made that oh. his number one amusement park ride. So Isaiah would take his girlfriend on the small world ride as their first date experience. <laughs> I I should have put that like yeah. number what number two on my list. I mean I completely forgot of it. That's a, such a perfect place for a date. Like I would literally and I hope Callan, I don't know if he's watching or not, I would ride the small world like when I went to Disneyland, I ride it like at least eight to ten times over a two, three-day weekend. I mean, that's how much I love that ride. But 
kind of glad that Callan is not on the show tonight to roast me about that. <laughs> I feel like he's he's missing out. So the day uh, that he comes, I feel like he's going to have a long roast session for you, Isaiah. So be prepared in August when he comes back and you're going to get grilled, my friend. You're going to be grilled, then grilled chicken. That's all I have to say. But now let us move on to our final thoughts. All right, Isaiah, we have come to an almost an hour and 16 minutes on the show. It's been a fantastic experience, but, you know, as all fun things, you know, happen, everything needs to come to an end. So leave us for some of your final thoughts. Well, Trevor, before I get into my final thoughts, you know, I want to take the time to thank our audience tonight for tuning in. I want to thank Christy. I want to thank, you know, Callan for you know, even though he's been really busy with his work schedule and announcing games for USD and the goals and, you know, all the other teams that he announces games for, I mean, he still takes the time to tune into our show. So really appreciate you, Khaled. Uh, really looking forward to when you get back to doing programming with us. Um, believe me, I have that date circled or potential date circled on that calendar. Um, I also want to thank James Gonzalez as well as, uh, let's see, I think we had a couple more. James Gonzalez, Ishmael Lancaster, uh, Edward Lee as well for tuning in. We really appreciate you guys. Thank you guys so much for the love and the support. But Trevor, you know, my final thought for tonight's show is, you know, I want to talk about the big news that really came down today, and that was, the Oregon starting quarterback, Tyler Show, is transferring from Oregon, even though he started all seven games. Like, I really don't understand that move. I mean, you're playing with, you're playing for one of the premier teams in the Pac 12, a team that uh, is most likely every year to be involved in college football playoff discussion and you're the starting quarterback you had a good season and you're deciding to transfer I really don't understand wish him nothing but the best though but I again I don't understand why he made that move and you know last final thought that I have is you know I know Valentine's Day is around the corner a couple days away so a lot of you guys are going to be eating a lot of chocolate the next few days so this is my favorite chocolate the Reese's peanut butter cup it's delicious. I love the peanut butter inside the chocolate. Really recommend you guys to get this uh, for your significant other for Valentine's Day. And I just realized it was – I put it upside down for a little bit there. Oh, it's all good. I, I would say continue off the Power Five. I know in the world of chocolate and Valentine's Day, the best place, you know, to go is to Hershey Park where it's like next to the chocolate factory. It's like, it's like a no-brainer at that sense. You know, the perfect day is going to – now, Hershey Chocolate World and getting some chocolate, you know? You can make your own chocolate there and give it as a gift for Valentine's Day. Like, it's a win-win. But that is just me. Let me go to some of our fan comments. You know, Kirstie Wilson says, if I ever go to Disney, I would just walk around with her husband. So, no, in her mind, her husband. <laughs> I got to make that clear because people would have wrong ideas. But let me just clear things up. <laughs> and then, you know, Callan, oh, believe me, it's coming, Leon. Isaiah, hunker down the hatches. You're going to have to be pre 
be prepared. You got five months, my friend, five months before your onslaught comes, my friend, five months. But for me, you know, it's been a fantastic show. And, you know, I know I'm not on like all the other programs that we have. I've been just busy finishing up my last semester of college. So I do apologize for not being, well, being a moderator on Wild Sports Talk. But if I have more free time coming up in the next couple of weeks, I'll try to make a couple of guest appearances and maybe do a couple moderations. But it all boils down to how my schedule, you know, unfolds out in the next couple of weeks. And as we will continue to go on, I think, Isaiah, I'll let you give like the rundown of the show and I'll read Colin's comment before I let you run down all the programs that we have coming up next week. And Colin, maybe if Isaiah would think outside the box instead of thinking about fast food coffee, his Power 5 would be better. Colin, you're already roasting him and you're not even here. <laughs> Man, Colin's relentless tonight. Don't forget the pumpkin pie too, Colin. Oh, no. <laughs> but uh, in terms of our shows, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have a special show for you guys tomorrow. Um, my guy, Stephen Wang, his co-worker, I believe, Garrick Chan, will be coming on a special edition of Fan Response tomorrow afternoon at around 12.30 p.m. Pacific time uh, to talk about the Asian athlete spotlight. I think that's um, a movement that Garrick is a part of. So he's going to be on to talk about that. And also myself, John Alcorn and Martin Garcia will be back with you guys tomorrow night for another edition of the night shift on Saturday night and also Sunday night as well. Tomorrow we'll be giving out our game balls. Sunday we will be giving out or we'll be doing the bloopers of the week. And then back to Monday, you know, wild sports talk with myself, Jonathan Mathis and Sammy Sharp. And then on Tuesday, uh, we don't have any programming right now for Tuesday, but uh, we will we're definitely working on something. That's what I will say. Uh, Wednesday, Wild Sports Talk with myself, Jonathan Mathis, and Freddie Henderson. And Thursday, we have That One Dude 2020 with my guy, John Alcorn. And then Friday, back here once again for another edition of The Night Shift. And Trevor Holden. <laughs> Fridays, you got rid of no BS. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, breaking news. The No BS has reached its final and its final conclusion. And this is the final episode of No BS, ladies and gentlemen. Isaiah just made a statement. There's no more No BS. It's been a ride. It's been a pleasure. And good night. <laughs> nah, JK, everyone. It's not April 1st yet. <laughs> Trevor, I just hope that next week when we come on the air uh, for No BS, that Matt Chapman will not be traded from the A's and also uh, by 49ers could potentially do something so we could talk about it on the show, but hopefully. And Callum, this is the last comment for, I guess one of the last comment to go is waiting for Isaiah to restart the midnight express on Tuesdays. So that, you know, we could go back and do something fun, not, you know, talk sports and just more of like a casual lounge, a lounge event where we just hang out with our fans, talk some sports, talk anything else. And just enjoy ourselves because we will, we will be on our midnight train to Georgia. If you know that song, definitely give it a listen and look it up. And Callan says, way to go, Isaiah. Thank you for ending No BS and the way it ended. We only had three seasons of five episodes. But like I said, all things have must come to an end. 
But, you know, it was a joke. And No BS will continue next week on Friday, ladies and gentlemen. And that will do it for us today on the MI6 Sports Network. And No BS, so long, everyone. Take care and happy Valentine's Day. Yeah. Three C's, my fiance. Yeah. Whoa. Hey. Yeah. Whoa. Say what? Hey. Whoa. Three C's, my fiance. Hey. Whoa. It's going down. Whoa. Hey. Y'all know what time it is.